coming to you from the City of Roses. This is the broadcast by Last Professionals and for Last Professionals. Thank you so much for tuning in. Guys, we are just weeks out before Last Con, so this podcast is getting harder and harder. I'm going to be honest, guys. Trying to juggle many balls all at the same time. So that said, today we are excited to bring you another episode despite all the craziness going on in our office. Get things ready for LashCon. And we are bringing you an episode with Jenna Cash from SoCo Lashes. She's actually one of our Diamond sponsors. So she is put up a lot. She has supported us in a huge way, and we're so excited to have her be part of LashCon, and you will get to see her speak at LashCon, as well as get to go to her booth. They're providing amazing items for the swag bag. You're going to love her company, and we're excited to have her come on this episode today and talk about a whole bunch of stuff. We went on and covered. We could have talked for hours. Uh, we talk about the entrepreneur mindset. We talk about networking. We talk about business archetypes, the just lucky breaks that people get in business that we don't often talk about, tips on building your Instagram, about her expanding to a new location, all this different stuff, guys. There's so much in here, so much useful information that I think you'll be able to take away and grow your business and benefit from it. So you will love this. But that, before we get to that, guys, just one, not one last reminder, but this is getting close the one of being the one last reminders and that is LashCon is now less than four weeks away it is november 6th through the 8th and we also have a bonus event on november 5th that's called day one that's one where we have anthony trucks coming in speaking he's gonna be doing a leadership course and then the afternoon's gonna be we're gonna be masterminding where we're gonna be networking and working with our salons and businesses to help us grow our own businesses and we're gonna help support each other through that it's gonna be a great chance for networking and connecting and then we have their standard business ticket guys that's the one that gets you into pretty much everything minus a few vip things is only $7.89 and guys is well worth it. The swag bag alone is going to be like over $600. So you're going to be able to get a lot of benefit from that. So you will not have to uh, feel like, oh my gosh, it's $7.89. I don't know if I will get what I need out. Guys, the swag bag will pay for it. And then you get all the information and then you get all the parties and then you get all the connections and networking. It's a laundry list of stuff you're going to get. So you do not want to miss. It's still, you still have time, guys. Airline tickets are super cheap still. Last I checked, you probably get here round trip less than $300. And then you can get the hotel room or maybe bunk up with someone. We have a page on on Facebook where you can go ahead and share a room or tell people, hey, I want to share a room. So maybe you cut your room costs in half. There's ways to make this more affordable so you can get in and out of here without spending a ton of money. Anyhow, guys, that's all I have for announcements. Go sign up today before it's too late. I promise you, you when you watch all the f- stuff that we're going to be posting online between the live stream stuff, between and then we're going to be posting some stuff on YouTube and all the stuff we're going to see with everyone else posting on their Instagrams, you're going to feel like you just missed the greatest event of all time. We have over 425 people coming right now, and that, we hope, will be over 500 by the time this thing gets off the ground. And it's going to be by for the largest gathering ever of last professionals. Plus, guys, it's just going to be the amount of information and inspiration that you need to take your business to the next level for next year. So go sign up today. It's in the show notes or go to our Instagram or just go to www.thelashconference.com and sign up today. All right, guys, that's all it. That's all my announcements. Let's get into it now where we sit down with Jenna Cash and talk about really all things business. We are here live in the Lashcast studios. Good morning, Tess. How are you? So good. Excited to be here because we have an old friend with us, Jenna Cash from SoCo Lashes and Inspo Podcast. Welcome to the show, Jenna. Thanks, guys. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, we're always excited to have uh, one of our friends on. We met Jenna over two years ago, um, first through Lashcon, and then she came on sponsored the Failed Lash Cruise. (laughs) <laughs> the, no, the doomed last the doomed cruise. The, last pandana- cruise. Yeah. the pandemic cursed. Uh, it was just, yeah. And then uh, she was on last year for LashCon and is back again as one of our diamond sponsors for this year. So we're really blessed because Jenna is going to be actually speaking and really a big part of LashCon upcoming this November. So uh, thanks so much, Jenna, for all your support and is excited to partner with you. Yeah, I, you are so welcome. Thank you for allowing us to be a part of it. Yeah, and also, guys, she's got training. She's got two or working on her second salon, and she has a podcast that we were on last year during the pandemic. 
I think we made a full tour during a pandemic on, on some podcasts where everyone's like, let's just do podcasting all day. I think there were like 80,000 podcasts started last year. So anyhow, that all said, we're really excited to have her come on and share her wisdom. Jenna is actually one of these people who is, guys, I've gotten to know her a lot, really a thinker and someone who really has tries to problem solve and help our industry. She's got all sorts of uh, out-of-the-box thinking. She's always, I've seen her with products and and tools that she's helped to come up with. And so for you to come on here and share your wisdom with us and help us with our listeners is always a blessing. So thanks for agreeing to make some time out of your busy day and your busy schedule. Oh, you know what? It is my pleasure. I'm really happy to be here today. Yeah. So we have a whole bunch of things. We were sitting down going, what should we cover? What should we cover? And there's like probably more than we can get to today, but we'll do our best. But one of the things I know you mentioned that was really interesting was this whole concept of relationships as a currency of the future. And not just relationships like with your mom and dad, your boyfriend, your husband, whatever, but actually relationships with everyone, your employees, your staff, your network, your network and your phone and other things. So I'd love to get your take on what you were, what you were thinking. Pick behind your brain that. on yeah. that. Yeah. So my topic's going to be relationships are the currency of the future. And I know that there are still a lot of people that want to start their companies or if they want to start lashing, if they want to start a brand. And I do think think that there still is room for maybe another brand or two. We'll get more into archetypes later and why I think that's true. But I think that a business, when people start their business, they don't actually realize that you're going to have several different relationships. You have to worry about the relationships with your customer, the relationships with your business, the ones with your family and friends, because mindset is contagious. And if they're scared for you and out of the goodness of their heart telling you, I don't think you should do it. We listen oftentimes. The mindset and your, the relationship with yourself, you guys, self-doubt. And most important, the relationship that you have with failure and how you learn to respond to that. Because failure, it's so embarrassing that sometimes that can make or break somebody, especially really early on in the game. No, absolutely. I think a lot of people put their foot out there, maybe they're not a risk taker normally, and then they do. And they have an immediate failure, which almost confirms the voice in their head. That they like, see, you shouldn't have done wow. this. And they're done. They're out. Like, there's a lot of people who had a little more resilience, a little bit more grit, probably would have uh, been able to get through it if they could have just had maybe uh, a, a different track play in their head or someone there to support them through it. Well, it's interesting that you, you talked about, you know, it's relationships. It's our relationships with failure. Like, what? how do we perceive failure? And in many cases, it's because it's like this guttural, like, feeling, it's almost like a childhood fear of a monster in the bed, underneath the bed or in the closet. It's like failure is this big behemoth that's threatening, you know, and it does color how we make choices. Yeah. How do you, for you, I mean, I'm sure you've never failed yet in your life, but how do you work through failure? I mean, what's your relationship with failure? Oh, well, my relationship with failure, um, I am very well versed in failure. Failure and I are friends. (laughs) (laughs) When something doesn't go as planned, it's a hard pill to swallow. But how I was raised, I'm one of 11 kids. Oh my gosh. (laughs) So I think, yeah, I think that I learned early on to brush off failure and embarrassment. And I don't know, it's never really been a big deal if Mm -hmm. something didn't work out. For example, when I opened my business, I didn't, I didn't have the option to fail. You guys, I had two daughters to feed Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. there was no option for failure. So the thing is, it's, are you going to allow yourself to fail and have a backup plan? Or are you going to make a plan ahead of time, build your business like this with a budget already set in hand, not debt, because mm-hmm. nothing makes you feel less than than debt, you guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, there's just a huge difference between jumping into it, not knowing what you're doing, but having a plan and jumping into it and just having hope because it's great to have hope. But I never gave myself the option of failure. I always had worst case scenario and best case scenario and my worst case scenario, I was always prepared for. That's actually a great way to look at it. Cause I think for me, one of my issues when I get flustered and upset about something, and I think we tend to, this is why people get angry on the road. And this is why people have road rage and other things because I'm supposed to not have any obstacles on my way to work. If I'm driving or I'm not supposed to have any obstacles as I build stuff. Cause it, I, it's like the mental lie that you tell yourself that yeah. it should be smooth sailing from here. Cause right? you see other people doing it and it seems easy for them. And so I shouldn't do that. But I think what you said is like, you should have a worst case scenario game plan. Like you should be like, okay, if everything went right, great. It won't, by the way, it never does. 
And that's why I think people get anxiety and that's why they get frustrated. And that's why they get angry. That's why people break chairs, you know, because they thought it was supposed to go exactly as they planned and it won't. So the better way to go about it is have a bunch of things set up so that you have backup to backup plans. So when one of those things does fail, you're like, all right, I'm up for that. I knew something would go wrong and I'm ready for it. I have another game plan and we'll just in place that in and keep moving forward. And I think you'll have a lot more peace with that because I think where the anxiety comes is when hope is your plan, that's not a plan. <laughs> it's not like, oh, I just hope it goes well. No, you got to actually lay it out, break it down. All right, these are my things. These are the steps. And then, of course, start having alternatives, I guess, for things I have. What, for you, with um, as you, you're working on your, your second business here, building out, obviously, it, I'm sure some things haven't gone as planned. What was like your best case scenario for that? And maybe like your worst case scenario as you're working on this right now and, and trying to get a second location up? Okay, well, just to clear it up, this is actually my fourth salon. Okay. <laughs> That's actually a great question because I have a great answer for that. So when now with SoCo Lashes growing, we needed a bigger warehouse. So finding the perfect location, you guys just moved. So you're well-versed in this. It's hard. Mm -hmm. So after maybe six months of looking, we found a spot that was $500 under budget in a location that we wanted that had ample parking that was twice the size that we needed. And it already had rooms set up. Okay. That's incredible. You guys have a jackpot. Yeah. So it's like, I don't know what was this good karma luck. Like we were talking about luck before we started recording. But here's a perfect example. Best case scenario. Yep. We fill up the rooms. We make a little bit of extra money. So Colash's products get in how many other people's hands. Our artists are getting free education. So we help other people grow and we have a location, a huge warehouse, right? Yeah. So worst case scenario, like we don't fill the rooms because you know, you're not just going to hire anybody. They have to meet your standards mm-hmm. and worst case scenario, we don't fill the room. However, I don't have to have a backup plan because you guys, this was already in our budget for just the warehouse. Everything that we have coming with the the salon side moving forward is extra. So I have created like a a magical business that wasn't even supposed to exist. So we kind of took a gamble. Worst case scenario. Okay. Let's say we just, I don't find anybody. We'll use it for our academy. Yeah. You know, there's always something else we could do. And if I don't use it for my academy, I don't know. Maybe I'll call you guys crying. <laughs> yeah. No, I think the big thing here is that you're, it sounds like you didn't overextend yourself to add on a new part of your business and say, well, it's going to have to make so much money for me to be able to justify that expense. But like you said, well, hey, if we don't, the, let's just say we don't fill it up with clients and stuff like that. You're not going to be out of business in six months because you need all those rooms fold at 90% occupancy for you to actually be able to turn enough money. I think that's what happens. I think with people, you can expand your business because everyone thinks you, you know, everyone's bigger and better and it's not necessarily always better. And you go, but if you don't have a budget and you don't actually understand the numbers behind that, you can over expand yourself and then be bigger, but you're less profitable. You mentioned earlier being in debt. It's like, it makes you feel oppressed and it, that, you know, so you don't have that burden because you didn't overextend yourself. Yeah. And Paul, like you said, when you open up a business, nothing goes as planned. You're doing so great. And let me tell you guys, success is temporary. Not because you're not doing well or you did something wrong, but you're a wonderful group of girls. Now you've taught them how to open a salon because I do mentorships with all of the girls that work for us. We just, mm-hmm. nobody has a client. We all sit around and gather and, and I train them for business. We work on their business aside from them working with SoCo Lashes. So what I learned was that I was teaching everybody how to open their own business. And so many of my girls had left open up their own business, which I think is the best reason that somebody leaves your business. But mm-hmm. in realizing you're like, oh, shoot, <laughs> what do I do now? Yeah. That's what I mean when I say success is temporary. That's how I am. I'm always going to show people how to do things. And the temporary part of success is my wonderful renters now leave and open up their own salon. And so I have to fill that. But that's just the ebb and flow of owning a salon where you have girls working for you, renting, however you run your salon. Yeah, no, absolutely. Now for you also mentioned um, about relationship with your employees or your clients, Maybe uh, where are some things that you're thinking behind that? Because I think uh, that's something that we don't talk about enough and discuss enough is what we're doing to build those relationships. So what I have learned and what I, I'm a slow learner. So I learned this very slowly <laughs> that mm-hmm. people do much better in a work environment where 
you know, in our industry, it's a very gray area. They, they're their own business owner. They work for themselves. However, when anything goes awry, who do you think that they go to? You. (laughs) You wanted your own business. Now you want me to take care of it? Okay, yes. So that's how it works. What I have found for anybody that wants to open a salon, having an open space where people can hear your conversations, people can chime in, it doesn't last. It's when people have their own space, they stay longer because they are able to look at it like it's their business. They have privacy. And they don't, they're not overexposing themselves to each other. You don't need to be friends with your coworkers, but when you're working next to each other, side by side, hearing their voice all day, you almost are forced into having to like them, mm-hmm. having enjoy what they're talking about. And I were, I did nails for 15 and 16 years. And it's so true. The girls just tell the same story myself included over and over again. And it gets old. So teeny tiny tip give everybody their own space that creates the appropriate relationship you guys, because yeah, you want your girls to get along, but you don't want your girls to get tired of each other. And you don't want your girls to get annoyed with each other. And your own space is the easiest way to do that. And to have longevity with your renters. I actually think that a lot, I mean, I see it all the time. Probably the most common salon you see is one room, like six, eight beds, all lined up and everyone's like all a nail salon. like a nail salon. Like, and now everyone can, you know, hang on, communicate. But I always thought, and something that we never did this, we always had independent rooms, but I always felt like that's less attractive even to the client. Like the client is not going to want to be laying next with their eyes because it's very vulnerable, right? Your, your eyes are closed. You're laying your back. You, you're not going to want, you can't do anything. I mean, someone could literally attack you and you're, you wouldn't know it. So when you're in a room private, it just feels more protective, a little secure. More secure. And more luxurious as a salon. So if you're a business, and I know, actually, Jasmine down Chic, she just, or during the pandemic, she took her place, it was all big place, and broke into small rooms. And I just know that her, her I'm sure, I haven't even got to talk about it yet, but I know that her place, I'm sure that it's more upscale now. It's a little more higher end. It's a little nicer for the client. And like you said, I think it's, there are a lot more ownership when you say, this is my room, this is where I work, this is my space, and, that, and this is how I do it. I think that'd be, it's a good idea. Now, some people who are listening might think, well, that's great, but I don't have the, the means to do that. You can still create some kind of like mental separation by small partitions. Now, even though it's true that the sound is going to carry, having a partition does create a little bit of sanctity and people will automatically kind of reduce their voices. Another thing that you can do is add a sound conditioner. Yeah. The sound conditioner helps fill the, the, dead, space. the dead noise in yeah. it and it camouflages a speech just a little bit. So you don't have to go out and buy one. You can use one on your phone. It is good to have a separate one, but those are some small solutions that if you're listening in, you could do today. I am so particular about the noise. I've been in the industry for over two decades. I am tired of hearing music that I don't want to listen to. (laughs) So I, for myself, it would never work for me. I don't want clutter freaks me out. I don't want to see people's things and the noise. Like for my clients, when they come in, we'll listen to like murder podcasts. We'll listen to like time junkies or morbid podcasts, or we'll We'll play, um, depending on, you know, know your audience, uh, we'll listen to Kardashians, you know? So like, I don't always want to listen to music and neither do my clients. So I think that when you're new and you can't afford a private room, they serve their purpose, but I just could never do it again. Yeah. you go backwards. <laughs> I mean, I know like Allie would share how she would have Beverly Hills Housewives were on TV. She had a TV in her space and she'd be playing that throughout all the time. And I'm like, you know, it fits. It's where the person is. It it's whoever you are. You know, right? when you meet, meet Allie from Last Anarchist, you go, of course, that would be what she would have in her place. But there's yeah. you know, it'd be other people when you meet them, you go like, that's not their personality. Like I wouldn't see Shelby from Last Boss Radio sitting there listening. I might be wrong. Shelby will call me and go, I, of course I watch Beverly Hills Housewives, but (laughs) I just doesn't seem like her, her DNA and the way she would set her salon. So I mean, the salon's going to reflect you and what you like and what you want. And you're going to attract that, right? You're going to get people who feel the same way as you. If if you're, if you're good at interviewing and and meeting people and and networking, by the way, let's, let's talk about networking since I just happily (laughs) mentioned that. Cause I think it's another part of relationships is networking and the importance of networking. Yeah. You know, I think that something, as soon as you learn that, uh, your Instagram is an entity of itself, it's Mm. yes, it's part of your business, but it's 
Instagram is where you go to connect to your audience, you know, or your community rather. Mm -hmm. Oh, I guess your audience. This is where you're going to go to connect with people. You know, don't really push sales, push things on Instagram because that's what your website's for. Your mm -hmm. website, your real estate that you, that people go to, you can 100% control everything. Yeah. Instagram is to connect with people. That's why people follow you because they like you, right? Yeah. So, you know, understanding the fundamentals of what the skeletons of your business are. And we talked about this for a brief moment. Do you know what business archetypes are? Well, let's talk about let's it. Let's talk about it. Yeah, because uh, I think that you you have you've a, thought about this, and I and I just for the first time heard that phrase. <laughs> so we're like uh, I know. business archetype newbies. Yeah. Well, while you're saying that, I do want to say I, I like the idea, and I think a lot of people don't get this, um, that really Instagram is about building relationships. While, like you said, your website is your sales tool. That's where people go once they love you on your Instagram, and they're like, "Wow, this person is really cool." Now they go to your website and that's where you do the heavy lifting and you do the hard selling and you really give the value and the proposition of why they need to buy into you, whatever you're selling, whether it's a lash service, a training, a product line, whatever. Really, the, the people who go on Instagram and really take the time to connect and get to know you through a social media tool. It's like farming. It's like growing something, a plant, nurturing yeah. something. It's nurturing those relationships. Yep. Yeah. And if you're new to Instagram and Austin, you, you have your 300 followers and all you're doing every day is like, buy my training, buy my training, buy my training. It, you, you're not going to grow your base and people aren't going to follow you and it's just not going to go anywhere. And I think that's where a lot of people get Instagram wrong. They start wanting to sell a product line. They just think, pictures of their product and um, hard selling is what's going to build their community. And that's just not, I always see the people, you know, I, I have people like Cheryl Fontamed and um, I see it, see what Mike and, and Sean did live Bay. They use media like podcasts and social media to build relationships and, and their businesses blossom from it. And I know I'm sure for you, you've seen that same thing in your own business. So. Yeah, absolutely. You know, okay. So a quick, easy tip, if you want to know, like, how do they do it? How do they do this? When you're on Instagram, to be successful on Instagram, your followers need to know you, they need to like you, and they need to trust you. If you can give them all three of those things, and then if you can give something that they need, information, tips, regular motivation, those four things will grow your Instagram following without you really having to try. And also understanding that not everybody's going to like you as a person. So maybe they won't follow you. And I, do you guys remember the book Chicken Soup for the Soul? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I yeah. <laughs> so my favorite thing in the whole world is advice. Mm -hmm. So they came out with Chicken Soup for the Teenage Soul. And <laughs> I remember, I'm, gonna, I'm probably going to butcher this, but it said something to the effect of, you don't like everybody you meet, right? Sometimes you meet people and you just go, ugh, no. So why do you expect everybody to like you? understanding the, as a person, you know, that sometimes you just don't like people. You don't know why maybe they remind you of somebody. It makes it a little bit more okay. And your feelings get a, maybe like a little bit less hurt because not everybody's going to like you. And knowing the difference you guys between your audience and your community, your audience is going to be that they're going to watch you. They're going to judge you. They're maybe going to comment things that aren't so nice, but your community will rally for you. Hmm. Your community post things for you. Your community is going to tell their friends about you. You know, your community, of course, with all com all other lash companies, we have people that buy our products and they, they post things on their permanent feed. So know your audience and understand that not to worry about growing your following, because if you focus too much on growing, you forget about serving your community that already is there for you and they will unfollow you. Yeah. This is so valuable. Now you mentioned three things, but you said four. So I'm thinking, did I miss one? You said to, to know um, you, to, like know you, you to like you, to trust you. I'd need you. To need you. Yeah, they need you, yeah. To need you. Now, can you give us an example of like what that one looks like? This is, I am not the best at being on camera. I, I, I'm just one of those people where I'm like, ew, no, my face. <laughs> it's just like well, your voice. Don't worry. Too, there's, like, there's no, yeah. while we're seeing you in video, we only, no, this is all we, audio. I know you, but you've, we have already prefaced this by yeah. my face and we'll be on here. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It was not part of the, the deal. Not part of the deal. Yeah. Get your clients to know you and don't overdo it. Don't annoy them. But, you know, most of my followers know that I have horses. Most of my followers know that I started out in my kitchen. 
Then we, I grew a little bit bigger. A lot of people don't know this, but I forced my daughters to share a room because I needed the extra room where we were going and I couldn't afford anything. Yeah. Most of my followers know that um, my boyfriend has a French accent. You know, little silly things. Mm-hmm. Like most of my followers know that I really like Dutch Bros and I like Rebels from Dutch Bros. That's a little bit of getting to know. You don't have to get into detail. Yeah. Like you, they have to like you. What kind of people do you like? Similarly to what I like, it's going to be people like me. The people that follow you, like who, who's going to know, who's going to like me? People that like you are people just like you. So don't worry about trying to be camera ready or mm-hmm. this or that or that. The people that know I hate being in front of a camera are probably the people that hate being in front of a camera. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? So they like me because maybe I remind them of themselves or I'm relatable or I don't know. Why do people like you? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Trust you. Um, so when I first started this page, it wasn't so collashes. It was my own brand and everybody that has followed me from, you know, the time I had 365 followers knows that why I, why I started so collashes because I was really frustrated with inconsistency is probably why everybody starts their own brand and slowly came out with things. And when I say this product's amazing, they trust that it's amazing. And also if they hate it, they trust that I'll send them something else and they know that I care about them. And then getting to the point needing you, now you've people, they know who you are. They, they like you and they trust you. Then they buy your products. Now they need our, our, our products because their business depends on it. And then they're growing their Instagram. So they're coming on my feed to get ideas for posts. Those four things will grow your Instagram and you won't have to do much. I mean, you maintain it, but as far as trying, it's a lot less stressful. No, it makes sense. I mean, being open, honest, transparent, those type of things, that's how people get to know you a little bit. I think, like you said, it is liking, I mean, for us, we're, we we have our own unique following. I know that there are people through the grapevine I've heard through, like, no, we don't like Paul and Tuss because they tend to say things that aren't the, the, the standard, the status quo of the industry. We tend to challenge a lot of status quo. So a lot of people say, well, you guys really speak, you know, and we're not trying to be mean. We're always just questioning everything. And they say, well, you know, you question this. I, my trainer says you're wrong on this. I'm like, and I've learned that like, realize that those people aren't going to like us. It's okay. That's not my tribe. That's not my community that I'm really trying to build. And it's a smaller community. That is exactly what I was going to say. That's a perfect example of your audience versus your community. Those people are just your audience and they'll still follow you. Yeah. You know, yeah. the people that, that don't like you and they still, they're the ones that always watch your story. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're- How you help just dis- distinguish that, the yeah. audience and the community. It's really it helpful mentally to knowing who, who your real friends are, who, who your real uh, community and is. And I think the bi- another big one, all these are big, but trust is so huge. And one of the things about trust that people don't realize when you're a solo operator, or, or and I learned this even as a salon owner, if you say you're going to do something, you better flip and do it. I don't care if it means you don't sleep that night. Your team is relying on you to deliver. Your clients are, you know, this, I hear, in fact, this happens every once in a while. Someone will call us and say, I, I want to come and try you guys out. Even with us being solo, we're not advertising or marketing. You know, Tuscany is still pretty well-known LA area. So someone out of the blue will reach out, and they will share, well, I have someone right now, but she keeps canceling on me. And I hear that more than any other reason why people come and try Tuss is because their last person can't keep a schedule. And it's crazy, but that's the very thing where trust is broken, where they say, I'm going to make an appointment with you. I'm going to arrange my day to be there at your salon at three o'clock. And then the day before or the morning of, I get a call one out of three times. I'm sorry, I need to move your appointment. And the client at some point is just, I'd stop trusting you. I'm not going to come in and it's done. Another point that you'd mentioned earlier about the single room is another reason why people will leave and come and see me is that they'll be like, I got tired of people answering the phone during my appointment or talking to each other, hearing other people's conversations. Yeah. What sometimes as lash artists that we don't realize is that we're working with people's faces. If they look <laughs> ridiculous and your client's a lawyer or a doctor or a nurse or a surgeon, do you think that they're going to put up with that? Absolutely it's so important to people and they depend on this. Even when I'm doing photos for Instagram or whatnot, I like to have my nails done weekly. And I had a girl that kept canceling. And I'm like, I know that this isn't a deal too, but this is actually affecting my business. And I need you to, you know, let me know if this is going to be a reoccurring, 
event because this isn't going to work for me. And we don't realize how much it affects people. Why do people get lashes? Because it makes them feel good about themselves. You think that they're going to feel good about themselves if you're canceling on them and their lashes look crazy? Yeah. No way, Jose. That's why they come to us. No yeah. way, Jose. And that's, that's the trust issue. And I think people don't realize it when they cancel or when they yeah. put off or when they reschedule. And the same thing with the team. When I would say, hey, team, we're going to do this new thing and then I don't deliver, trust goes way down. And trust at some point is once you lose it. I mean, I always say we trade and trust. I always say when you're dealing with your clients and your team, you trade in trust. That's your real currency. And when that trust is gone, that relationship is over and it's time to move on. So just one more thing to this. You may think that, well, because I'm really good friends and I really know this person really well, I can cancel <laughs> on them. Somebody very close to us was saying that, oh, she's become friends with her lash artist. And the not, last time I saw her, she said, the thing is, is that she's starting to cancel on me all the time. And I think it's because we're friends. And it's like, if you're friends with somebody, you don't do that to them. Yeah. <laughs> you don't do that. You know, you have to remember, you can't break that trust. You're still coming to you because you're providing a service for them. Let's move into the business archetypes because I know that's what we were, you were yeah. searching while we moved on to talking about the no trust, like, and need. Um, let's, what are some of these business archetypes that you had mentioned? Okay. So this is my absolute most favorite part of our business retreat. We have a, th- a three-day business retreat, which we're changing to two because I know three is so hard for people. This is the most fun. Everybody says this is the best part. This is when somebody says you have to have a culture for your business. Your branding has to have a culture and people like, cool, cool. What does that mean? Right. For me, when I did this three-day business retreat in Colorado, I love business. Do you guys, anything that has business, I love advice. I do it. I was able to go to this business retreat and create my retreat. Right. It was just supposed to be a class and then it ended up being a retreat. So what I learned is um, the fundamentals of how to create your culture by one thing. And you can find this on Pinterest if you want like the short version of it. It's called business archetypes and there are 12. Okay. Oh. I'm going to go. Okay. okay the sage. Ready. Yes. Okay. The sage. The sage is truth seeking. They like education. So like who in the last industry focuses on um, education? Above all, where do you go to for education? I guess it would have been like Lash 411. Yeah, she was a big source of it. Yeah, back in the day. (laughs) Okay, the innocent. Let's see. An example of an innocent business would be like, well, I guess not of recent years, but like Johnson & Johnson. You know, they care about taking care of you. Okay, the business type would be a faithful, optimistic, minimalist. They're zen-like. So who Mm -hmm. would be our... Uh, hint, hint, if we don't have one, there is an opening in the industry for an innocent brand. Okay. (laughs) The archetypes there, you can have 12 of the same businesses with different cultures and they will all do exceedingly well because technically speaking, according to this theory, there are 12 different types of people. Yeah. No, it makes sense. You're, you're attracting your tribe again or your community and there's 12 different communities you could almost say, right? Okay. So then three, there's the explorer. They like to push boundaries, create experiences, continually seek out new things. And again, you guys can go on Pinterest and really dive into detail. But if you guys do our retreat, it's so fun. Your whole business is based on this and you start from your archetype and you build up. Um, Yeah. Okay. The ruler, the ruler brands are extremely high end. They're like the boss ass, Yeah. you know? Mm -hmm can think of like, I can think of one. Who can you think of? Who's like a boss ass? Bleep. Yep. Yep. I can oh, think yeah. of There's some quite too. A few. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right? So the creator, creators are visionaries who value authenticity. They're oftentimes artistic expression. Uh, they're, they're very individualistic. Creator would be like some who's innovative in the industry. Who's trying to constantly innovate. Okay. Yeah. The caregiver. This, the caregiver um, helps you, it protects you, nurtures you. It's extremely loyal, okay? The magician, the best example of a magician is Disney, okay? Who is mm-hmm. constantly innovating, creating? What brand can you not keep up with? Yeah. The magic, behind, there's some like magical the Imagineers, doing, yeah. yeah. The hero, outside of lashing, a hero oftentimes could be looked at like Oprah. Oprah's, mm-hmm. you know, her altruism, her, how, how her, well, she is just, if you look up the definition of the hero, it is Oprah, Oprah, Oprah. Um, They stick up for people. Um, They, you know, they'll go into battle for people, other countries, like people who go to third world countries and help people. Example of the outlaw. We know who the outlaw is in our industry. Mm -hmm. (laughs) The people who are 
breaking boundaries, who say bad words, who are doing like things that the industry says that you can't do. And she's like, yeah, I can. (laughs) (laughs) The lover, right? There's number 10 is the lover. They're just in love with everything business. Mm -hmm. A good example of this would be Noah from The Notebook. His Mm -hmm. archetype was a lover. Mm -hmm. Everything he does is from passion, from his heart. He follows his heart, right? Yeah, it's all about passion. It makes sense, yeah. And if they make money, great. If they don't, they sleep well. He did for passion, didn't do for money. (laughs) The funny one, who's the comedian, you know? If that's the base of your business, are you constantly sharing funny memes? Like, do you have like funny taglines? The jester. Mm -hmm. And what I would like to say and hope that we are the everyman. We just want to be somebody that everybody can relate to. You know, we don't want to stand out above everybody. We just kind of want to blend in. We're not ostentatious. Mm-hmm. We have our beliefs. We believe in other people that anybody can do what we can do. Um, and we just want to be relatable. So if you see an in and you want to start a company, choose one, do something that nobody else is doing. Yeah. And that's going to be successful. You know, I just did a one-on-one training yesterday and she is from the East coast. And we were going over the types, like what she could do to strum up some business. And the biggest piece of advice that I always have, well, what's everybody doing? Well, then don't do that. So we decided that it would be best for her to focus on more natural. So we created some maps for her. We created some specific little tips and tricks for her to do that nobody else is doing that people will look at her lashes and now go, I don't know why they're different, but they're different. And that's why I go to you. So creating something that nobody else is doing that they don't quite know how to create. And they're like, I don't know why they're different, but they're just a little bit different. So finding that niche and really, really honing in on it. And the biggest problem that people create for themselves is they're choosing too many things. They're creating brand confusion. They're trying to be funny. They're trying to be the badass. They're trying to be the outlaw. This is failed because of brand confusion. When somebody walks into your business, Once you realize that you're not selling a product, you're selling the feeling that you get when you purchase something, right? Why do people go to Disney? Why do people go to Hawaii? How many times have you been to Disneyland and you've just been so many times? Why am I here? This place sucks. I've been here 57 times. (laughs) Two hours for a ride. (laughs) Back because of the feeling that you get. Mm -hmm. So once you realize what, where your brand is and where the business of your culture, where you can cultivate that, you can avoid brand confusion because hippy dippy people aren't going to buy from somebody who isn't like natural, like, you know, extensions or like fake. I'm not saying fake boobs are, I am definitely getting a boob job. Yes. So yes. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. But like, you know, they might not necessarily buy from somebody who promotes that. So kind of like slow your roll, accept that you are going to fail. Theoretically speaking, according to this theory in 11 different areas, so if you can be successful in less than 10%, you're 100% of what you need because yeah. you have your one out of 12 audience captivated. You know, you don't have to have everybody following you. No. It's just that eight points. Billions of people on their planet. So you don't need billions of followers. Uh, I mean, I've heard, you know, some people say you only need 1,000 real fans of your business to be, for it to be a viable, whatever that is, where it's online or brick and mortar. For anybody that wants to start a brand, you have to have 250 dedicated. Oh God, I love SoCo lashes. If you want to be a millionaire, you have to have 250 people who love your brand because guess what? Those people will build your brand. So essentially you need 250 followers. That's to be nothing. Yeah. It's like, that's like so easy to build. Focus on the teeny relationships with, if somebody's not happy, make them happy. Why do you think Nordstrom's is so amazing? Because, or Costco because of their return policy or like lack thereof, they don't have a return policy. Yeah. They go out of their way to make their clients happy. And you know what customer service really means? The definition of customer service should be you're willing to trade some money or some time for free. That's all that that means. People just feel hurt and they want their money back if they're not happy. Yeah. I love no, I know that, that for us, because we always guarantee, um, we still do, that you'll love your lashes. And if we don't, if we can't fix them, we'll refund your money. So there's no risk. And I know when we first did that, our team was a little like, oh, I don't know. People are going to be taking advantage of you. And we were really, we were inspired by Nordstrom really is what it was. It's like, I love their policy. I think Nordstrom was, is the, is really the gold standard for the retail world, even though the retail world is disappearing, but they really were the gold standard. And I wanted to be that. And also I said, guys, we are that good. I believe in you as a team and I believe in our ability to train you. 
to be that good that we won't ever have to refund anyone. In, our, in six, seven years we've done, we've refunded two people. And mm -hmm. I know for sure one of them came in the whole time, much like Nordstrom with the idea, I'm going to buy the dress, not take the tag off, go to my party and come back and return it. And just say, oh, it, it just wasn't I what I like wanted. It. Yeah, I bought it on Friday, returned it on Monday. And the same thing would have a person get their lashes on Friday. And on Monday, we'd get that call like, I'm just not liking my lashes. I don't like it. And then we tried to bend over backwards yeah. for them to fix it. Oh, no. I no. just don't want it. Yeah. So I that, don't want it anymore. But really, two in like six, seven years and the hundreds, if not thousands of people we saw, I feel like that type of guarantee says a lot about the brand and, and builds, again, trust. Because they can just feel like, wow, who does that, right? Who says that they're going to do this? I just wanted to give you a huge kudos. I know, I, I'm assuming you didn't write these 12, but you just discovered and you're just sharing with the world. But I love these things because I think it's really helpful to rethink your brand, to really have identity with your brand, to really narrow it down to what am I really all about? It's why people, and I'm going since I've already mentioned a couple of these people, I know that's why Allie blew up with Lash Anarchist. Like you said, she's the rebel. The outlaw. And, and the outlaw. And no one was doing what she was doing. Even she admits before she got into it, she was like, uh, she was Lily Lashes. And she was starting to be cute and girly. And she, while she is actually pretty girly at times, she's got a very sentimental side to her. She has that rough edge, party girl, I'm going to have fun, screw you, what a type of attitude. But everyone is so attractive to the people who love it's that. endearing. I mean, she really has some of the most loyal fans because of she's really being honest and knows her identity. Well, you know, the thing about Allie, she found something that was missing that authentically spoke to her and she did it. You know, the secret to doing something, you guys, What is it? What? you just have to do it. <laughs> you know, I just, Don't overthink I just it, right? want to say you're really good at giving these little nuggets. And I have to say, I've, I've, I've just got a couple here that I just want to highlight that you've said, yeah. which I think are like mind blowing, even though they're really basic. Thank you. Guys. You're selling the feeling you get when you purchase something, right? Like your whole marketing is like what that feeling is. That's what you're selling. I love that. And the other thing that you said that's just completely mind-blowing, and I hope it goes down deep for our listeners, is that customer service is basically means that you're willing to trade time or money for free. You know, that's what it is. You don't so hear simple. that. You, like, don't, you don't hear that in our industry. Everyone's like, oh, don't. You know, fire that client, screw that client, fire they don't that like client. that. And it's like, there's not this idea of like sacrifice and building yeah. that brand awareness. And I know for us, one of the reasons why people loved us aside from our, our free thing was that we just always took care of the client, even if it meant refunding the client. Even if it came out of our skin, you know, yeah. you, you yeah. know, even if it. Like last night, Tuss client called, really want to get in last second. And we decided, you know what? We can do it. Tuss stayed for an extra hour, took care of the client. And that's the type of loyalty and brand. And by the way, this person has already referred to another friend right after that happened. So it's like. Can I just say one thing? When you're building a clientele, you will build your clientele because of one person. When I first started hmm. in this industry, I said yes to somebody and I didn't know her. I think she was actually still in beauty school. This is when I was 16 or seven. No, I was 17 because I just had turned 17. I went to beauty school when I was 16 and graduated right before I was 17. Wow. <laughs> so, so I was like, okay, sure. And we were going to do a trade, right? Well, I wasn't making any money, but you know, it's like, depending on what season your business is that you're in, you have to decide and you have to stick to it. And that was in the yes season. So I was like, I don't know, to do it at her mom's house, whatever. I'm, I was a kid. I was like, let's do it. Sure. Yeah. So I did her nails because I used to do nails mm -hmm. and she did my hair. Guess what that one yes got me. She what? had sister. She had like 12 cousins and guess what else she was really, really, really good at hair. As soon as she graduated, she built her clientele in like six months. Mm. Her nickname was the highlight princess. Hi, Jane, if you're listening. And <laughs> she handedly responsible for building my business, you guys. So <sighs> again, there's that lucky break. Nobody talks about the lucky break. When you have those lucky breaks, you have to recognize them for what they are. Jolene built my clientele. And when you are in the season of yes, you have to be dedicated to that. And again, like for, for when, when I'm doing my mentorships and these people, the topics that we're going to be going over, like I want to dedicate to my business, but I'm like, I am a mom and I'm hard. Well, that's not the season that you're in right now. Mm -hmm. You can't. Do you want to be a hundred percent to your family or a hundred percent to your business? You can't ever do a hundred percent when you're giving it 50% and that's okay. You just have to be honest with yourself and recognize the season that you're in. And I feel so sad for these people that feel pressured to open up a business and they have a two-year-old. No way. This is the season that you save 
you plan. And as soon as your kid goes into kindergarten, maybe first grade, because kindergarten is what? It's not even school. It's a three-hour day. And guess what? You've got it planned. You've got all of your money. You you go in and you shock everybody, you guys. Business is not something that should be rushed. And think of it like compare it to a marriage, you guys. People that have this idea that go into business with people. And immediately when I hear that two girls are going into business together, or boys, mostly it's girls, I they have their business license together. I just had this conversation with somebody last week. You put your name on an LLC with somebody. Do they have debt? What do they look like with the IRS? Are they going to open up a credit card? Because guess what? If they pull a credit card in the business name and they have $100,000 debt and they walk away, you're on the hook for it. Yeah. So do not go into business with somebody. If you're running a business together, you guys choose who's going to be on the account or rather the, the business license and your business license will be under. Get a contract, have a lawyer draw it up. But if you don't trust somebody enough to be doing a business with somebody that you don't trust a contract, then you shouldn't be doing a business. Don't businesses with somebody when you're legally tied to them, you will so mess up. And that if you guys are in a hundred, let's say you're in a hundred thousand dollars debt because somebody messed up. Do you think that your family is going to be in support of you doing this again? No, because they're fearful. Then you have, it's like this, not you're building with money, negative money. You're building with negative hope or negative, um, it's a bad foundation. (laughs) An experience that you've already had. Now this is what you have to go off of. Yeah. You treat your business like a marriage. The people that get married three months after they meet, yep, they can last. They can. Sometimes it does. But typically speaking, if you just jump into any type of relationship, like you remember your business is a relationship, don't jump into it. You guys date for a while, be engaged for a while and see if it actually works. Do a best case scenario and a worst case scenario business plan. And what that looks like would be find the place that you want to rent, you guys, right? Okay, this is how much my rent is on each one. This is how much the bills are. This is how much the cleaning lady is. Because let's get real, who wants to clean their own salon? Write everything down, okay? Now you have your bills. It's going to cost me $2,700 a month. Worst case scenario would be you don't get anybody and you're responsible that for your two-year lease. Best case scenario would be you rent all your rooms out. Chances are it's going to be somewhere in the middle. Or it's going to be here and then here. And I know you guys can't see my hands for listening, but businesses go like this. They're going to go up and down. down. My arm's slightly going up. Mm -hmm. You will eventually climb the mountain. And everybody wants their master's degree overnight, you guys. Mm -hmm. You have to put the time in. You have to give your universe tax. Like, you know what mom's tax is, Tessany? You know, when your kid has a um, a waffle and you're on a diet, you take a bite and they're like, hey, and you're like, mom tax. You have- <laughs> Love that one. I didn't know that then. <laughs> yeah. Mom tax is great. Love it. Um, you have universe tax too, you guys. And I truly believe in karma and the universe will give you what you deserve just because you're manifesting and you're asking for it. Do you think that if you're dedicating 70 hours a week to something and somebody's dedicating 30, that the universe is going to listen to the 30? No, because 70 hours a week deserves it more. How badly do you want it? Because chances are, if you don't want it that bad, somebody else wants it more and let them have it because they deserve it. So don't jump into a business like you're going to jump into a full-time marriage and dedicate to your sis. A marriage is easier to get out of. You can get divorced a lease. No, no, sis, you're stuck for years. Yeah. <laughs> and then if you break that lease, yeah. nobody can ever rent you again because you broke a lease. Yeah, that's great advice. I, I think we see partnerships and we think it's all glowy and awesome and wonderful. But I've I had that where we twenty uh, some years ago I got into I started a record label with uh, some friends and. You, another thing people don't realize is that not everyone works the same way. Not everyone has the same work ethic. And I remember we'd sit down and say, okay, here's what we're going to do. We were doing soundtracks to movies since I worked in the film industry. And we had a friend who had all these connections to these records and, or these artists. So we were beginning to put out albums for classic movies and stuff like that. But this one guy on the team didn't want to do anything. And he was a quarter partner. And you're just like, all right, we get the gear. Okay, what did you get done? He, oh, I didn't have time. And it became that every meeting. So, so, after, so are you full-time masseuse? Is that your job? You're just going to massage us while yeah, we work? Yeah, yeah. I mean, like you, you get one core of the company, but don't do anything. But that happens a lot with partnerships where two people come together and one is the real go-getter, a type A personality. Maybe the other one's a little bit more of the support person. And if they can agree to those terms, like that's our job, that's our role. I'm kind of the, the front honcho. I'm the, the face of the company and you're the background great but often you get two people and they don't talk out these things and then they start working and they realize after a while like oh crap 
no one's like you said cleaning the salon. Who's going to go buy the the food for the clients that's going to be in the, in the reception area? All of a sudden, they have to realize they have to delegate and they have to work out. And sometimes it doesn't quite line up the way you want. And and then you it never it, lines up. Yeah. yeah, it does because you're too completely. It's too many hands in the cookie jar, you guys. Yeah. 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 We also had this situation, I'll just tell this little story, sad story, but I did exactly what you told us not to with the partnership thing. Yeah. This was before Paul came on, and one of my clients who I just had such a fabulous rapport with, we got along fabulous as a client and service provider, and therefore I thought, oh, this person is trustworthy, you know? So I, without thinking, without just with just such naivete, I just said, come with me, you're going to take this job, and I'm going to give you the keys to my kingdom. I'm going to put you on all the bank accounts. And a percentage of the company too, or something I, like that. Receipts you know, and-, and it was a couple months later, we noticed some money was missing and I can't remember who it was, looked at me and says, why did you think you could trust this person? You took her to the bank and you put her on all your accounts. And I was like, oh my goodness, what did I do? Yeah. Because I was just relating as a girlfriend and I'm thinking, oh, this is trustworthy in this area. I just made every bad mistake you possibly could do. And it was so hard to come off of that. You know, luckily we, we had some theft, but it wasn't too much, you know. But it was over, yeah, we overcame it. But anyway. Yeah. Listen, you know what? You don't know somebody until you divorce them, okay? When you get divorced, <laughs> you then find out who people's true colors, what their true colors are. And I will tell you something. One of my very best friends who was in the room with one of my daughters when she was born, we're no longer friends anymore because of business, you guys. Mm-hmm. And- you know, I can be really, actually, I, I am firm. I know when to say no. And, you know, no is not a bad word. It just means no. It just maybe it means not right now. But some people, when you do business with somebody and you're growing quicker than they're growing and they don't like it, they don't like you. And now that relationship is over. You guys, she was in the room when my baby was born and we aren't yeah. friends anymore. That's and, sad. you know, I think I'm right. She thinks she's right. You know, there's always her side, my side, and the truth, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I've known her my whole life, you guys. You can't trust people. Yeah. You can't. Again, you it's just, kind of preparing for the worst-case scenario, right? You, in your mind, yeah. you got to realize that when you're in a relationship with people that even though you've thought, like Tess thought, oh, I love this person. She's a great client. Or maybe someone you've worked with as a friend. Oh, that's going to be amazing. You have to, in the back of your mind, I think, realize, but what if – this happens. I mean, people will do crazy things for money. I mean, I, I never did this, but I always thought about doing this in the interview process. Like leave a $20 bill on the floor where we're interviewing and just see and walk out of the room for a second to go get something and just see if that money's gone when I come back. Well, actually, that's what one of our good friends, he this was when he was a teenager. He's a grown man now, but he said that when he worked at it was a, a restaurant, a, a well-known chain. Oh, that's right. Yeah. His boss said, okay, we need to talk. You need to come back here. So he went into the room and literally there was a desk and there was piles of money just stacked like yeah, this. The deposits and, for the day. Or and he was waiting in there for like an hour. And then he's like, and then it was like an hour and a half. And he's like, finally comes out and the owner's like, okay, you have the job or something like that. And basically the whole time he was being video recorded and he never once touched the money. He never looked at it or anything like that, but it was kind of like. I just a- want to see how trustworthy was this when you have all this money in front of you. Because money makes people do crazy things and they, their principles go out the window. And that happens in business partnerships. That happens with employer-employee relationships and everything. And you guys, it's not when people are bad people. It's when they're desperate. Yeah. When they're looking at something and they're like, I don't have another choice and they're feeling desperate. So, you know, on one hand you can understand, but that doesn't mean that you go into business with them. That's right. Yeah, in fact, that the person who stole from Tuss had a, a, a boyfriend that was in jail or needed money for a, a lawyer and so she worked it around that she justified it that I need to take this money. And she even says, plan to pay it back. It just, unfortunately, you know, she didn't. But Tess, I will tell you two things. We went and bought new boots from, for riding boots. We have horses. And I, it was the first time that I actually bought a nice pair. And I talked to my, I was like, just get a nice pair. It was like over $500. We left them in the back of our car. And guess what happened? Yes. And so Somebody wants me, if somebody takes something from you, they needed it more than you. So maybe she needed it more than you. And another piece of advice I've gotten, that was probably, I don't know how much it was, the best 10000 you've ever spent to get somebody who was bad for you out of your life that you've ever spent. Yeah. No, no that's no, true. It's good. Yeah. No, it's, it's like just, dodging a bullet. Yeah. You know, yeah. It, even it, though you it, took the bullet. It costs a lot, but at the end, your sanity it has no price. It's uh, just money. 
It's just money. More. You can make it back. Yeah. You can always make more money. We should wrap up here in a second, but one of the things I wanted to maybe wrap or finish on was something we talked about earlier was about lucky breaks and how, and I really love this idea because I've heard this quite a bit um, on, you know, so maybe you can share a little bit with our listeners. What that, sure. how, no one really just makes it. No one talks about the lucky breaks. About the lucky breaks, but no one talks about the lucky breaks. Yeah. Okay. So I will tell you my very first lucky break. When I wanted to open up my first salon, um, there was a, a building that I had previously worked in, I had rented it from a girl who had their salon there. And the woman who owned this piece of property, her name's Karen, she was so sweet, but she just could not keep this building rented out. And I knew that because it was always empty. She would have somebody and then not have somebody. And it's expensive to do a turnover. You have to clean the carpets, maybe place it, whatever. So I reached out to her probably for four, between four and six months, you guys. It was a no, 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 no. Right. But I kept pushing and I said, okay, listen, I'm going to call you every Friday to see if it's available. And I knew it was available because I knew all the renters. And she's like, it's not available. It's not available. So I kept calling. And finally, I said, look, I don't have a lot of money. I don't have a lot of um, experience in owning a business, but I do have a lot of knowledge and I do have a plan. If you'll just meet with me, I have a proposition for you. And so she was like, okay, fine. Because I was probably at this point driving her crazy. So <laughs> I did. I went out with two printed business proposals my best case business proposal and my worst case plan business oh, proposal. Okay. Yeah. And I said, before I give these to you, I just want you to know that I know both of you and I know that you have a hard time renting this room. I have the drive and I have the passion for it. And I know people, I can fill these rooms and I don't, I can't afford the rent. <laughs> and she's probably like, oh, perfect. Right. Right? Yeah. This is my budget. I can afford, I think it was like $600 a month. Okay. I can afford 600. If you give me one year, I will fill these rooms. When I fill these rooms, the money will first go to you until the rent is paid. I think it was like twelve fifty or something. Anything thereafter will split. Will be business partners. The business will be in my name. You will be business partners on paper. But the only thing you'll be getting is a higher rent check for me. And you, yeah. you know what she said? She said yes. Awesome. She didn't know me. She was in a pickle. I knew she was in a pickle, and she she believed in me. And later on, she told me that she reminded me of her when she was younger. And you guys, it's always a no unless you ask. And you never, ever know when somebody I was recently talking to about wanting to open up a, um, a beauty school. And they're like, well, I keep calling. I've called and they don't answer. I'm like, so call again. I did. And they said, no. Okay, but here's the thing. The thing about a business that you don't understand, it's up to one person. One person is going to be the person that says yes or no, you guys. So if you get Stacy who her fiance just proposed her and she's in a good mood and you get her on Tuesday because you've been calling every Tuesday, she might be like, you know, you guys, this girl's like actually really sweet. Let's give her a try. You never know. Get him on the good days. Keep going. And, and because eventually you're going to get a yes, even if it's from Stacy, that's giving you a hundred no's. Maybe she's in a really good mood today, or maybe she's sick and hearing you calling. <laughs> what I like to say, you said something about the answer is always no until you ask. What I always say is asking is free. Asking is free. Yes, asking is free. And it's like people are always afraid to um, hear no. So, you know, that wasn't your door. So go to the next door. Go to the next door. There, somebody's going to say yes because either somebody's, you know, and the thing, some people have a lot of money and they're like, I like you. You know, like I've heard of people selling houses and they sell it to somebody for $40,000 less because they like the family. And they're like, you know what? I've been there before. Let's choose them. And they sell it, their house to this couple for $40,000 less because they don't really need the money and they like them. And you never know if somebody really likes you or, or you just spark something in them. And they're like, you know what? Okay. Let's give her a year. That's the only reason I have SoCo Lashes is because I had a place to cultivate my business. And, you know, back then I had zero like I told her, I know, don't know what I'm doing. I just know a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think what you just said is really, I listened to a podcast called how I built this with Guy Raz and he often asks people how much of your success was luck and how much was it just, you know, hard work and all that. And amazingly, almost every big name will say, well, actually, you know what? It was hard work, but you know what? If it weren't for this one moment or this one opportunity that just popped out of nowhere, this one person who believed in me, it would have not happened. I would not be here today. And that was always, that's actually kind of humbling because I know a lot of people want to say, I built this. It was on my back. It was all me. I, I'm the hero, right? <laughs> 
And it, yeah. it's, it feels good to say that, but the truth is for most people in their stories, like, no, no, no. Someone came along and gave you a loan or gave you a little a break on a, a, a location or someone said, oh, let me, I'll give you $5,000 to carry you over this hard time. Or I'll, I'll introduce you to a friend who all of a sudden has like 80 referrals for you. You know, it just somewhere along the line, someone or some person came in and did something very nice. They didn't have to do it. They weren't obligated to do it, but they did. And that was almost like the first domino. I have another friend of mine who says in Hollywood, it's actually very common for someone senior in industry to, um, after when you're in your 40s and 50s, to give back to someone younger. It's just expected. You just do that. You'd, and so he, when he was younger, he would call editors who were not famous, who mm-hmm. didn't make all the biggest movies, but were still making Hollywood movies. And he would like say, can I take you out to coffee? And the answer was always yes. They were like, oh my gosh, you want to meet with me and hear my tips on advice on editing, how to make it in Hollywood? Even though I'm not editing Steven Spielberg films, but maybe they're editing still three blockbusters that year from filmmakers you haven't really heard of. And he, he said he got to meet so many cool people and get so much good advice that helped him with his career. And that's all because like you were saying, you just asked. Just go out of your comfort zone a little bit. Be a little vulnerable. Be afraid of being someone saying no to you. And if you ask enough times, more times than not, eventually someone yeah. along the line is going to come alongside you and say, yeah, I know I'm going to give you a shot. Yep. I think it's great. And I think lucky breaks are a big part of every business. I feel like for us, I won't go into all of them, but I feel like we've had those moments in our business where, absolutely, or yeah. even when bad things happen, I feel like us closing our salon actually turned out to be a lucky, <laughs> a lucky break. break. You know, it, it, it moved us in a new direction that we were wanting to move, but it kind of pushed us further along faster. And, and we're really mm-hmm. grateful for that. So we could keep going on, but we've really, uh, we kept you for an hour, which is amazing. <laughs> this flew by so quick. Can we, uh, let's, where can people find you? I know about your podcast and your product company and all the different things you do. So let, let's let people know what you're up to and what, where they can find you. Yeah. So you can find us on SoCo Lashes, S-O-C-O Lashes on Instagram or SoCoLashes.com. My podcast is Inspo Podcast. And just before we stop, I want to give you guys two YouTube. Oh, that's right. I'll give, yeah, I'm going to give you, I'll text you the link if you want to add it to the notes. But you guys, uh, Simon Sanook, start with your why. Because I didn't want to touch too much on the why because everybody says, know your why. And everybody, I think that that's so played out. But this video will help a lot with finding why. No, understanding what that means is so important. And do you know your why, you guys? I have my big picture, yes, of what we're trying to accomplish, absolutely. I mean, personally, for me, I mean, as a Christian, my, my goal in life is always to love people and love God. I mean, I feel like I live for those two purposes because I'm supposed to help honor God in everything I do with my life. And at the same time, I'm supposed to love those, uh, his creation, and help support and encourage people. It's, it's at the core of me and why everything I do. Okay. What's your why, Tess? It's it's very similar. It's it is to bring God glory and honor relationships. The most one's most important to me. Okay. Do you know the first answer to? Have you ever done this exercise before? I've not done it, but I've heard people do it where they like. So why do you feel that way? And why do you feel that way? And you just you keep ask digging. yourself seven to ten times. You'll find your why. Yeah. My why is because I'm a control freak and I don't want anybody telling me what to do. Because usually your why doesn't have to do with anybody else but you. Your why is always selfish. Mm-hmm. And you know, my first why was my daughter's. And then, but like, why, why, why? Because I don't want people telling me what to do. That's why I run my business. So it's nothing to do with lashes, you guys. Your why has nothing to do with your business. It has why you're doing it. Yeah. And second video, Alan Watts, do what you love. Do you guys know Alan Watts? I know the name. I've not seen it yet. You are about to go down an Alan Watts rabbit hole on YouTube. This guy's incredible. Okay. He's listening to his voice. Oh, God, it's so amazing. He has tons of voice. That's my favorite one. And he just talks about, for example, what do you love doing? Somebody says, I like horses. And he's like, so do that for a living. They're like, I can't make money off of having horses. And he's like, not right away, but learn everything you know, become a master, teach. And then, you know, I said, you can't get your master's degree overnight. After 10 decades, you're going to be the best and you can charge whatever you want. So guess what? You can make money and master and charge whatever you want with whatever you guys want to do. You just have to dedicate 100% and it has to be your season. Yeah, I actually have told people that I've said this to people before about like, you know, people like, well, what if my, you know, let's just say you can't make money in certain things like being a garbage collector one day, I, I can never make a good living. I'm like, yeah, you could. If garbage was your thing and you want to be the best and you get into the garbage industry and then you work your way up, but someday if you're the head of waste management, I guarantee you that guy or gal making good money. 
and, and because they were dedicated and they worked their way up into the company up to the top. Okay. I have one more podcast. It's a Tony Robbins. It's called the entrepreneur's playbook. Mm-hmm. It has to do with garbage in and a little bit on garbage. That's mm-hmm. a good, I did that one probably 50 times. Oh, wow. Great. Inspiration. Yeah, yep. no, it really is. You can make money in anything. If you have a game plan and you have dedication and you're passionate mm-hmm. about it, you, you can make it work. It just, it, like you said, but you be patient. And the problem, I think with most of us, none of us are patient. We all want instant gratification. We want the nice things now and, and often you're going to have to sacrifice a lot to get there. And it may take 10, 15 years. So. I've been in this over 20 years and I'm finally last year where I hope to be. There 19, you, you guys. There you go. It takes time, patience, dedication. I know some people seem to cut in and do it quicker. And often that's just all fake Instagram stuff. We had a saying in Hollywood, another overnight 10 year success story. 10 years. Uh, yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> it, it was never overnight. No one ever makes yeah. it overnight. It's always a long, arduous path. They just, some people just are better marketing it to seem like it happened quickly and that they didn't, you know, didn't just kind of fell in their lap. Nike took, I believe, 13 years to actually be known, guys. Yeah. yeah. It takes time. Well, cool. I'm glad. Um, thank you for all that. Uh, it was a lot to unpack. Hopefully everyone listening, you guys got a ton. Jenna, you were extremely generous and I can't wait for you to break this even more down, especially with the whole thing about um, relationships and currency at LashCon. And we have many other amazing speakers. It's going to be something that will uplift your business. It's going to give you the inspiration. It's going to give you that drive to get through the next year and really help you to rebound after these last two years, which have been pretty hard for all of us. So Uh, Jenna, thank you so much. It's been really nice to have you on today. Thank you, you guys. All right, guys, that's a wrap. That's all we have for you today. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. Hopefully you got a lot from this episode. And remember, LashCon is just around the corner. Hopefully we will see you there. If not, we will be selling virtual tickets soon too. So don't worry if you can't get out here. There will be a virtual ticket so you can enjoy and at least get the courses. Won't be able to go to the parties, but you will be able to get all the speakers and such. I want to ask you to please follow us on Instagram at LashCast Podcast and at the Lash Conference. And remember to subscribe, share, and review. On behalf of my Lash Ghost, Tustin, hey, it's Halloween, guys. Why not? We'll, we'll do the Halloween theme here. As well as our special guest, Jenna, I want to thank you for taking some time to listen. Keep on lashing and remember, you have a friend in the lash industry.